I've seen a, a number of, of Dar's videos uh, in the past, and uh, I exposed myself to a number of, of, of them over the past couple days preparing <laughs> for this episode. And I've got to say, every Darman video is just like, it's like a block of thermite, like, burning its way through my brain <laughs> when I watch it. <laughs> like, when the video's done, when the video's done, it keeps burning a hole straight through my brain like severing neural connections and forging new ones running in diametrically opposed directions they these things should be a controlled scheduled substance uh there's there one one of them i i'm i think buried in one of them is probably my mk ultra trigger and if i want enough i'm gonna go paddock and it's gonna be dar's fault Welcome to This Is Bad with Norm, Sam, and Patrick. So yeah, it's been it's been two weeks now <laughs> since I saw episode four. Since you looked at it, yeah. I realize now that I've I think I've forgotten almost all of it except like the two sentences of notes I wrote down. But uh, I also have a feeling I didn't. So I remember that. Hank Schrader, who I now know is named Art. I don't know if you know that. They, they hit that really hard in, spoiler alert, episode five. Yeah. They, they say it like 12 times. Oh, they do? I only, I only yeah. heard it once. Yeah, yeah. There, but there's, they there's a do whole, make yeah. a fart A fart joke. joke, yeah. And so I believe that they were setting that up so that they could make that fart joke. Yeah, and I wonder if the entire reason that he's named Art is because they want to make that fart joke. I imagine it is. <laughs> so, so the, the episode, uh, if I recall correctly, begins with Al and Riley's daughter, uh, his his goddaughter, uh, meeting in person. I think for the first time, he comes. Al very quickly comes to the conclusion. <clears throat> Uh, that she is a coddled, soft child who's being spoiled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, like, you know, repeatedly makes this, like, very blunt opinion known. <laughs> 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 that... <laughs> which, yeah, which sets up for fortuitous that he ends up, or she ends up in his charge. Uh, in very short order following that. Due to... And all she did was, like, accept an allowance or something for doing a chore or right, something like right. that, right? Yeah. It, yeah. it wasn't even that she was, like, being, like, particularly annoying or, or spoiled in some way. She was just, she did a favor and, like, accepted a reward for it instead of just doing it anyway. <laughs> right, yeah, no, it's just... Was it's Al's show, point. You know, again, staking these, I think, very brave positions... Um, <laughs> You know, uh, previously in defense of drunk driving, uh, this time coming out as one of the few pro-child slavery shows yeah. on major network. <laughs> I can't wait for the episode when Al finds out about vaccines. Uh, <laughs> they will give her the autism, the heavy metals, and the mercury, the thallium. Yeah, so it's it's um, Art. We now know his name, Art. Uh, falls off a roof. While doing some repairs to his chimney, unspecified that, repairs. Yeah, yeah, but oh, they're specified. They're repairs his son should be doing. 
Yeah, but well, much like the repairs his son was doing on his wife's ex or his ex-wife's water heater, it's unclear what needs what the work is. It's just yeah. do, doing some work takes a ton. Well, actually, were they? Was this the scene where they were both up there working on it, and then they have an argument, and Parker leaves? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So during that scene, you could clearly see that they're just holding like a brick and a spackle and standing in front of a uh, completely dry, already built chimney. <laughs> it's just like, I've seen the improv scenes with uh, with no no real props that are far more convincing than that. It like just completely took me out of the thing. It was just so obviously poorly placed prop. It was, it was like a high school theater prop. I was like, going to say, it, it's like a high school theater production of Death of a Salesman. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only in my the high school, pot. they probably would have found a way that on show night, if not all, at least for the dress rehearsal, we had some wet slop going on. <laughs> but they were just rubbing these dry spackles <laughs> on like the corner and uh, having themselves an argument about uh, about nothing? About joining the business. The business with the emphasis on in debt and struggling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, guys, yeah, okay, uh, that's where that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. well, as, as he's climbing down the ladder, the, the one line from this, or one of one of the two <laughs> lines from this episode that sticks with me, you know, I've, I, I started a construction business that's underwater in debt, and I want someone to leave it to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the reason he doesn't want to do these chores and the construction and whatnot is because it just doesn't seem it it doesn't seem exciting to him, you know, uh, the civilian life. Uh, and he wants to be back in war, I guess, where he's constantly under threat and his friends died. Oh, yeah, it's like the, it's like the line, I guess he killed people. Sort <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah. They kind of... He kind of frames that like that was like a, like a replacement therapy for what he really needed, which was to like, to be out from his under his father's wing and to be, because uh, he says, um, I just wanted to do it my own way, Dad. You know, uh, but maybe maybe that's not so bad. I kind of interpreted it like that, the the running arc here between them two is, is going to be like, you become your father eventually and become more conservative and, uh, and more willing to do what everybody else does, I guess. But Al's going to make you not hate that transition or something. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be yeah, the sugar right, that right. makes That's that go the, down smooth for you. It's going to give you the ways. perspective. But... <laughs> Yeah, he'd kind of he'd be fulfilling that like the mystical Negro function there of being like, uh, oh well, see everything. You we all learn that like we're all just being ourselves, and that's we don't really need to grow. We just need to be happy. <laughs> but yeah, before we get to the resolution there, I do want to get into this thing because it's another one of these things where they just are mentioning these these very difficult problems and just like bringing them up uh, and not addressing them really in any way. But I mean, I have a feeling this is obviously going to come back later, but the painkiller joke with the daughter, when he first gets injured, someone 
like uh, someone asks the or Riley asks the asks his sister like what painkillers do you have and she says all of them and Hank you know everyone laughs and Hank says oh bring something legal and everyone laughs and like you know the scene ends and then they're in the hospital and <laughs> and I'm sure it's going to be addressed later when we delve deeper into like the the sister's loss uh, and, and, and her grief episode whenever that part of the arc is going to be, but, uh, they brought it up now, just get, just casually bringing up the opioid epidemic for a couple laughs, forced in some, some, some laughter of dead people in a laugh track. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that's, it, I guess the kind of fundamental thing that this show does is, is exactly that, you know, you've got the, the war in Afghanistan, you've got, you know, the, the, you know, opioid epidemic, uh, you know, the, the father's reference there to his, his underwater uh, construction company. I mean, like, these, like, serious, like, major, like, sort of socio-political currents that are very, very bad and, like, shape people's lives all over the world. And the show is just like, yeah, all that stuff is just happening. Like, you're not going to stop it. Let's so just, here's let's, a fart you can joke. At least make, you can at least, like, isn't the real opioid epidemic the friends we made along the way? it's not going anywhere oh no it's just accept it accept that it's there (laughs) all these things are just bumps along the road and the war in afghanistan literally the friends we made along the way that's the crux of the show (laughs) um and that's why he wants to go back so bad and doesn't want to live uh "Quote unquote normal life." It meant something to be fighting for our freedom, earning right, freedom right, capital. Right. That makes me. But he does eventually give makes... in to the father's demands, but so long as he employs his buddy Al. That makes me want to uh, talk about episode five, where uh, Al talks to his sister, and it's there's like overtones of like fear. But it's like it's not addressed, and I don't know if it's supposed to be intentional or not, or if it's just supposed to really be, honestly, about like him missing his family and where he comes from. Like there should be overtones of fear, right? Because we should, you should expect that a a family of an interpreter would be, you know, like I guess that's been made explicit in the show too. Yeah, I think they've already said explicitly that he's in danger, or that they're in danger too, and that he wants to get them over probably, but he can't. Yeah. So when they have that sort of moment, it, it feels, you know, heavy to me. I don't know if it's supposed if it's supposed to feel that heavy though. And it's yeah. I, I definitely, you know, it's it's obviously somewhat intentional. Like they want you to 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 empathize and to and to be concerned for the family. But again, the the deeper strains of this whole like sweeping these the re- dark realities of the modern world under the rug for comedy's sake. Yeah, I mean, they mention at the end that that w- the sister, like, I- I'm starting to feel bad that we keep calling her the sister. They haven't made a f- Mr. Fart joke about her name yet, so that they haven't started drilling it in. Oh, Do either of you know the name? Uh, purple Hair. Yeah, <laughs> this is bad, see? <laughs> it is. I was going to say that I wasn't, I was talking about a, the uh, Al's sister, but I don't know, uh her name either like uh, the two names i remember so far are al because it's in the it's in the name of the show and they say it all the time uh and art because they made a mr fart joke 
And so I went back to see if they say his name, and they do. (laughs) The the, the troop's name is Riley. Yeah, the troop's Uh, name is Riley, but I made a point of looking that up. But I could never remember if it was Riley or if it was Parker, which is the name of the actor. (laughs) I was going to say, we call him Parker Riley. So just Parker Riley. (laughs) I didn't realize until I was listening to to the first episode... (laughs) And I, I kept calling him Parker Riley, and I was like, is that, is that his name? Why am I saying that? <laughs> no, it's not. Agent, I don't I know where the agent you. comes from. I, but... I successfully gaslit you. Yeah, I was, I was, um, gas, I was gaslit. But yeah, the, the sister's name is Lizzie. 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 I feel like that kind of sets them up for what I And Al's full name is Awalmir. That's one of my favorite parts of the show is just like the very first thing they they do is they're like, okay, well, this guy is not going to go by his real name. Like, give, like, they'll give him a fake American name, right? (laughs) Like, we're, we want these people, like, we want to, we want some diversity, but like, we want to, we want to put a tight fence around it, you know? (laughs) Like. Well, I mean, that's something that they could have played with more. Yeah, but they don't. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just like I'm, a they, I'm sure they will. They'll be like, oh, remember that time we were stationed in Kandahar? And you had that officer who was going to kill anyone who didn't have an American <laughs> name? And that's when you first called me Al, and I was your friend from that moment on. Yeah, but it's just like, to me, it's just kind of like a reification of that, like, you know, uh, Bush era, like neocon talking point of like, look, all these people in these countries, they want to be American anyway. And if we bomb the places enough, they'll get to be American. And like, actually, like, Al, yeah, that's all he wants to be is he just wants to get a new name and, um, you know, start wearing shorts and like shirts with collars on them and uh, yeah. become an American. <laughs> There's that whole thing that's not really worth talking about of where he and his cousin were sending each other, like, floss <laughs> pics and, like, they started, like, photoshopping and stuff. He sends him the picture of the lawnmower. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's never seen, like, an electric lawnmower. And meanwhile, behind him in the shot is, like, a glistening, <laughs> brand new, gigantic red, like, pickup truck. You know? <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm sure he's seen that all the time, but this dirty-ass lawnmower from the 80s. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I, I did want to... So we've kinda, we're have got kind of, like, migrating to episode five, but the, uh, the Al plot in episode four is he's trying to get Agent Parker Riley's daughter to eat uh, an Afghani uh, spinach dish. <laughs> yeah! Which she doesn't like, not in a racist way, but just in a kid's no. like spinach kind of way. Yes. And so they have a very terse standoff that uh, kind of culminates with Al uh, sharing a story about a time that him and, and Riley's unit had to spend all night, you know, defending uh, like a Humvee that fell into a river from yeah. getting captured by the Taliban. Because God forbid... American <laughs> weapons and ammunition and materiel support falls into Taliban hands mm. uh, accidentally or as a decade-long uh, official U.S. policy. We would hate for that to happen. 
uh, if the Mujahideen got got American arm. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the, the daughter asks him, like, well, did you win? And Al's like, of course we won. You know, because if there's one big takeaway we all have from the war in Afghanistan, it's America wins and we never lose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he, has, he has a fun joke about like some like F-18s dropping laser guided bombs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no. Ultimately, like, no. Once again, like you know, the United States of Al reinforces uh, our uh, two decade long war in Afghanistan as as more or less a W. More or less, more <laughs> more or less copped a dub there. Uh, I'll note gone are Al's barbs about like wanton u.s destruction from the pilot episode those those little yeah i think that was just the pilot thing it just i mean it's just i i'm sure like the writers of this show are like you know generally kind of like liberal people and this was like you know another like 2000s like kind of like liberal strategy it was like okay you can use like deference to the military as like a bridge to kind of heartland conservatives, you know, you can bring them on board with your social agenda uh, if you're just respectful enough to the troops. And this is like the, the Rahm Emanuel strategy in, in the 2006, like, House elections with the, the Blue Dog Democrats. Hmm. Um, and it didn't work. It worked very badly. <laughs> all, all it did was, like, reinforce right-wing views of national security, which is, I think, again, what it's doing here. <laughs> So yeah, I think that that pretty much wrapped up episode four. There was no real progress made with the actual eating of the of the sabzi, right? No, no, yeah, yeah. Was there so with just a little darkness introduced? Did like, Hazel don't be so spoiled? Your father's seen some shit. Did Hazel have some sort of like learning moment at the end, though? Yeah, I'm sure she, like, did some sort of chore and didn't take money or something. Yeah, what was... That did right. happen. Something like that. Yeah, something. I, I rewatched just this this last, like, the last, like, maybe four minutes of the episode this morning to refresh myself on it. <laughs> uh, and it slid straight out of my brain. <laughs> just, like, yeah, it's just, just, just completely Such a smooth, yeah. glycerin-like show. Yeah. It's the, the little you don't write down to it's, make fun of. Yeah, just it's like epic slips right mind. off like a buttered freaking balloon. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, ever since you said that the guitar riffs sound like an alien's <laughs> idea of music, I can't unhear that. <laughs> Every time I hear it now, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. You know what the music reminds me of? Uh, This is like going to be maybe very niche, but uh, I, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, needed a a back MRI and I needed to be in the MRI thing for like, you know, 45 minutes or something. Um, And they forgot to tell me that I could bring an iPod or something to listen to. (laughs) So they had one there for me. And they're like, you have, we have two. We have two iPods you can choose from. One has R and B. The other has blues. Um, you know, blues rock. And I was like, I don't know. I'll guess I'll take the blues rock. And I thought it was going to be like, you know, you know, the you know, some classic Bob Seger songs or something. But it wasn't. It was this weird royalty-free, like, like blues rock type music. <laughs> Where there was there was vocals and there was like singing, but it was like in Simlish. It was like the music on the Sims wasn't singing in any language. 
It was just like. It's like scat. Nice. Yeah, no, it was just like. It was. I have no idea what this, what this music was, or how you know the Hartford Healthcare Group ended up in possession of it. But that that, that is what that is what the transition music on the United oh, States of reminds me of. Dude, that's. Yeah, that's like when I had an MRI serum or something. You're you're part of an experiment there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I basically didn't know that I had uh, significant claustrophobia until I had an MRI, and I didn't know that the the uh, that an open MRI doesn't mean it's an open MRI. If you don't know what that's what an MRI is. Like, uh, I always thought, like, oh, they have open MRIs now. There's nothing to be, there's nothing to be worried about. And I don't really feel claustrophobia or anything. And so I get in there and I am freaking out. And they said, like, oh, you can have, like, a CD or something. And I had brought a CD just because I had heard that it's going to take a long time. And that you have to, like, lay there still. So of the CD I had chosen to relax me was, uh... Joanna Newsom, which I don't know, Sam, if you've ever had an MRI, but like they're loud. It sounds like you're inside of a of a. It sounds like you are inside of a loud machine that's doing loud uh, mechanical I, things I all thought, around you. I thought I'd had an MRI until you said that you could bring an iPad in there because I, I thought that was the, <laughs> was the no 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 a a. Uh, a, a, a disc man and you can't actually bring it in there i don't think just the headphones yeah or something yeah it was probably it had to be out on a table or something yeah because i but thought like it was my whole like body because it was magnets, like an upper so. body thing it was in my shoulder yeah so they had me in the tube and then they had to completely pad in all around my body my upper body so i didn't move it at all and, like, the open aspect of it is, first of all, I guess it's a little wider than other ones, but, like, what, that, that doesn't really matter when they're, like, packing you in like, <laughs> like a freaking lamp. Uh, but I guess some people are comforted by the fact that the end of the tube is open, uh, which I really didn't care about. Like, uh, like, people kept saying, like, oh, look up, look back, and you'll see that the end is open. I'm like, they've got me shoved into here <laughs> as though they don't want me to come out. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I know, uh, I know it'll be fine, and these are, like, medical professionals, but my brain is not having this right now. <laughs> and Joanna Newsom was not enough to overcome that. <laughs> Oh, I'm all about small spaces. I, I, I remember when I saw that episode of uh, Seinfeld where the the Chinese roommates are sleeping inside of the drawers. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, that that would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I was always great at hide and seek and stuff. Fit into the tiniest spaces. You never think to look in. One of my f close friends had a situation for a couple years where he had an apartment and he would rent it out and basically he lived in the walk-in closet and he would basically rent out the rest of the apartment as a room and have a roommate and his room was the walk-in closet. And by walk-in closet, it wasn't like very large. 
uh, but it was long enough that you could actually lie down in it. <laughs> like, uh, what was he yeah, charging that, the, the roommate for rent? Not much. Okay. I was gonna. It'd be funny if he was just charging him the full rent of the room. You know, that would be funny. Minus the price of, of one closet. <laughs> just basically living, literally living rent-free in, in the guy's closet. Um, Very dark story that I'll just, in the spirit of United States of Al, briefly mention uh, and not go into. Uh, <laughs> that roommate was one of two pathological liars I've met in my life. And by that, I don't mean some sort of euphemism of like a person who lies all the time. Someone who you know for an extended period of time, and at some point you find out absolutely everything they have ever told you is a lie. Uh, and they haven't kept things quiet. You know, they've said a lot. <laughs> but it's a big thing. And both of them lied about being snipers for some reason. I guess it's a good <laughs> thing to lie about. They were both evidently snipers. That's that's a uh, famous thing to lie about, yeah. But yeah, but I can't talk about it anymore or else it wouldn't be germane in the spirit of the United States of Al bringing up heavy topics and then just kind of right. leaving them. <laughs> Psychopathy fascinates me. <laughs> be careful. Speaking You're of talking which, too much about it. Speaking of which... <laughs> Riley. Save it for Darman. You want to talk about a psycho? Save yeah. that for Darman. <laughs> I, I, I was man. I wish I had thought of Darman. I, I said Riley instead, but Dar Darman is much more <laughs> of a psychopath. So. But here, let's talk about this later. This uh, last episode, though. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, to what you were saying before, homesick is like the theme of this one. It's actually the title of the episode is homesick. And he's homesick, so he wants to uh, make, he makes like a dish, shir uh, berenj, which is also a Persian dish that we make, and wants to take it around to the neighbors. Uh, and I believe that's when we hear the Mr. Fart joke, when he says that the neighbor's kid used to call him Mr. Fart. They call me Mr. Fart. Oh yeah, they they set it up with um with Al like telling the neighbor like I I'm you know in the neighborhood I live with Mister Art. <laughs> That's what made me start to like think like can I actually write down every single line that is like that precedes a laugh track in this episode and it just melted my brain trying to do so. But the first one was that uh you know so Al goes around to the neighbors and tries to give them some of this rice pudding that he's made and introduce himself and they're all like oh we don't you know we, we don't know soliciting like you know we don't want whatever you're selling and like uh one of them he like manages to say like oh i'm not selling anything it's free and he just takes it and closes the door getting a real real rude welcome here in the neighborhood uh despite the fact that art puts an i love america hat on him before he goes out just, just just to help him out, but it doesn't seem to help. And then uh, Miss Foster, one of the neighbors, just does accept him to come inside, uh, partially because she thinks he's like the TV repairman. 
Uh, and he's like, no, I'm here, <laughs> I'm a neighbor with some rice pudding. And she's like, oh, that's great, come on in. And, like, the TV's right over there, which is, like, kind of funny, I guess. I was, like... we, we have to break that joke down, because I was like, what is, what is the joke there? Is it that she's senile? And I know, that's the thing, it's like, what, I, what that... is, what is the funny thing that she doesn't understand that she's not? No, no, no. Uh, I, it's just like an offhand kind of, I guess, implication that she's, she's senile or something, but that's never touched upon really again, but like, and also they, she's like the good one. That. If, if that is the reality, they undercut it at the end of the episode. With yeah. They call back. Uh, but yeah, and, and Hank Schrader was like, uh, oh, that's Mr. Foster. Yeah. Her husband died three years ago. I gotta remember to send a card. Laugh track. <laughs> You know, that, that seems fine. Um, again, people, you know, uh, folks with dementia should live on their own. That's also mm-hmm. fine. Uh, it's fine not to mention uh, your neighbor's spouse is dying until three years later. All that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what Al learning about America. That's how you act. He does say that uh, back home a woman... Uh, would never uh, an old woman would never live by herself. Uh, I'm sure largely more true than here. Uh, there is a much tighter familial networks there, uh, but old women still often, I'm sure, live by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's another kind of like interesting uh, like example of where the show is sort of painting a rather grim tableau. And I'm not sure if it's doing it intentionally, but yeah, I mean, the, this is Al like going around the neighborhood and uh, finding no kind of like community solidarity, just a bunch of atomized people who happen to live near each other. Yeah. And, uh, and he brings this up on, on his, his uh, like Skype call with his sister. And there's a line I'm blanking on where he basically, it's not the palette of peanut butter from Costco, but it's something like that. Where it's like, yeah, like, none of the people here, like, really want, like, a ton to do with me or even each other, and I can never go home again, but I can at least buy large quantities of consumer goods that I don't need. Mm-hmm. So it's good that I'm here, it's good that I'm here you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something, he's, oh, right, there's so many different kinds of uh Oh, pasta 83 sauce. different kinds of pasta sauce, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There do be a lot of pasta sauce. I, I right before you 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 said this, Patrick. I was thinking like this, you know, the picture of going door to door and people being like "fuck off." It is the sort of America bashing that I can totally get behind. Uh, oh right, yeah. But really, uh, what is the commentary on it? I, I guess is where I would go from there. And, well, uh, I suppose I, I guess that you know they're all presumably uh, jonesing oxycontin addicts. Uh, with with failing construction businesses. You know? <laughs> All right, well, yeah, well put. Yeah, but it is it is a very dark general theme to the episode. Like it's ostensibly supposed to be homesick, right? He's homesick for his his family. But what we get to later with the sister Lizzie, uh, which is a common adult woman's name, is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I will say I do think that sets up a fun 
very contemporary joke where Al could like watch a whole bunch of VH1 and then when she comes home he can he can say something fun like Lizzie in the hizzy and do one of these kind of roof raising move I think that would get yeah. a huge I think that would get a huge round of canned laughter but yeah Lizzie uh brings up that he's really it's like the the end of the episode ostensibly not the very last scene but the penultimate scene is Al talking to Lizzie and she says that like maybe what you're feeling isn't really homesickness or longing it's more that like you know you'll never go back so really you're just you're feeling grief for the life that you've lost and that's pretty dark uh <laughs> earlier in the episode they're uh, sitting there and they're talking about you know the kid who would call him Mr. Fart and how like uh you know he left uh Mr. Foster Miss Foster's kid doesn't like visit her or something and Al asks uh Hank Schrader Fart Farther he says if I have children in America like will they abandon me the father responds by saying like oh uh you know maybe they'll like you know move into your garage and never leave and Parker Riley's like Dad, be quiet. Like, Al's, this is about Al. Al speaking. (laughs) (laughs) But again, it, like, it belies the previous point of, like, Al is feeling some deep cultural loss. Like, he is losing the culture that takes care of the old woman, that the, the, who's, where you, you don't abandon your children, and like, uh, you know, there's all these other things we were talking about before where he's kind of dealing with a, with a cultural shock and dissonance of like a cultural change. But like now we're, we're touching upon this notion of like your way of life is gone and it shall never return. You, you know, they, and, uh, that's as far as it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's presenting that, you know, that atomization, uh, which is as, you know, badly afflicted, you know, social life in the United States, especially since the 70s and on, um, uh, you know, that the, I think that the labor movement kind of crumbling was a, was a big part of that, you know, people working longer hours for lower wages and, and having their social lives kind of attenuated. Um, and you end up with this sort of highly individualized, very atomized situation, uh, uh, in the United States, uh, which has a yeah a bunch of unpleasant side effects. One of which is you know people feeling abandoned by their by their families and things like that. Um, but again, the show doesn't really even try to posit that that's necessarily like a bad thing. It's just like that's a thing. That's the way it is. Or you can... or, or even that the the solution there is that like oh we all just need to get out more and like if if Al right. comes by and gets you know, grant um, the older woman to, to go say hi to the other guy who she hasn't seen in forever, then we can all start hanging out outside again. Yeah, completely sidestepping again, you know, the kind of social trends and currents that lead to social paradigm like that. I did, I will say, um, it was also kind of bizarre, the door-to-door uh, scene and then the going out to a bar, because, um, you know, the episode... Riley takes Al out to a to a troop bar where he meets uh, troop vets from um, failed American wars from the last half century. 
Um, Except for that one war. The one, yeah, the guy one guy. Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that was a, that was a like perfectly delivered line. Like, yeah. what did you do in the war? I killed Hitler. <laughs> uh, maybe he did. I don't know. And but, when they arrived, the bartender is like, oh my God, it's the turf. <laughs> it's the what? Terp. I had to rewind and turn on captions yes. to hear what this word is that she's saying because I, you know, I'm not a troop myself. It sounded racist uh, as hell. Yeah. I thought she was saying Tobin. Yeah, I thought she was saying turb. Yeah. Like, and they, they like, didn't want to say a real slur, so they had yeah. to make one up. And, like, for that, that made perfect sense to me. But no, she says terp, which I guess means interpreter. Like, I just. I'm gonna need to get that fat checked by a real troop. Uh, we're gonna need to find a troop on Cameo. And ask him to uh, send him twenty bucks to tell if his ter- if terp is the real slang for interpreter. Yeah, I could see it, but man, did I have to go in with the <laughs> with the with the uh, magnifying glass to figure out what that that was that she said. She was like, uh, "Yeah, I used to be a troop. Uh, I heard all about you. Riley uh, w- would talk about you all the time. He would he would spend hours here filling out your paperwork." Uh, I must have heard your name a million times. And I was like, he filled out hours of <laughs> paperwork at the bar? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no one questions that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love, you know, when I'm applying I, for a mortgage or, you know, my small business loan. <laughs> I, love to, I love to do it on a, on a sticky, you know... <laughs> heavily grooved bar bar top surface uh that's that's where i like to do reams of paperwork yeah the, the bartender even it even says like you know have you ever seen him try to spell afghanistan after four shots of whiskey and it's like oh no wonder this shit took three years okay yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah really giving it a 110 percent more, more like more like giving it one hundred and ten proof. Oh, oh no. do not hurt them, please. <laughs> be a laugh track there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was a good joke. Please remind the audience to laugh at it. Yeah, <laughs> please clap. There was one. So so evidently they've like him taking. Al to this veterans bar uh, was actually just a diversion while they were setting up a surprise party to make him feel less homesick, which consisted of, I guess, some Afghan foods and then setting up a sofre like on the ground. Uh, so they had the food in a cart instead of actually on the ground on like a display on like a, <laughs> a placement, a place setting. Uh, which is what you would actually do. You would spread a tablecloth and just you put it on the ground. That's the whole point. You sit around it. I mean, I don't know what it's like in Afghanistan, but that's what Iran was like. Uh, and so Lizzie and, and Art are uh, talking about this, and one of them is like, oh, you know, it kind of looks like Afghanistan. It's like, it's halfway like Afghanistan. I guess it's like Afghanistan. And I was like, okay, that's a pun <laughs> I haven't heard before. That's... I'll give it to you. 
Afghanistan. Uh, incidentally, that's, that's I'll allow the laugh track. <laughs> Just looking at its ratings. Oh yeah, it's actually was not bad in its time slot. Yeah, it's it's done. You know, uh, uh, surprisingly, I would say surprisingly oh. well. Given that I cannot imagine a human being watching this show if it was not for a podcast designed to vivisect well, it. You know? Well, it's got a juggernaut of a lead in. It's led in by young Sheldon. So, <laughs> oh, interesting. It, it, it only loses about two million viewers. Bazinga. There was a reference, uh, again, so there are these conversations, again, between Al and Elizabeth. There were two big ones. One is when he she first sees him talking to his family, and it's like, oh, you're homesick. Like, what do you miss about there? And there is, like, a minute-long monologue where he's like, I miss... The the way that uh, going and seeing the stars at night on my rooftop, I miss like the the smell of of uh, <laughs> I miss the sound of the canaries that my brother would have or something. This, this... I think that might be from Reza visiting his family or something because I certainly remember people having birds in Iran when I visited too. <laughs> but uh, he says these several things that are you know, kind of touching, like, kind of, like, uh, poetic, uh... Shining city on the sky. In the yeah. Sky, right? And I'm like, cool. how are they gonna bring this down for the laugh track, you know? Or, like, what what is, what is gonna be, like, the thing that is the pun? And instead, he just finishes, and she, and she says to him, wow, I never thought of it as a nice place. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, oh, it's beautiful. Like, and I, you know, fear I'll never, I think I'll never see it again. And she goes, want a hug? And he's like, no, please stop asking me. I will and say. And like freaks out. Uh, between, and that's the end. And then laugh track and that's the end of the scene. Uh, between uh, the, the sister, uh, you know, again, the appropriate for an adult named Lizzie. And the uh, the bartender at the at the troop bar who gave Al her number. Uh, Al is absolutely up to his neck in it, in terms of uh, romantic interest from women. Yeah, they cannot keep their their hands. Well, I guess they do respectfully because because he keeps he keeps halal, but <laughs> they, they obviously want to put their hands all over him. I gotta Same say, way. we we forgot to talk about. I'm sure. Other people had a some sort of reaction to Al's joke about um, I don't bother you when you're searching for porn. Is he chilling in the is is <laughs> or is it just he's Riley's jerking off while he's sleep while Al's sleeping, and he doesn't okay. wake up up wake him up. He's like oh, or he doesn't uh, bother him and. It, He's a bro. Al likes to I guess watch. I, <laughs> I'm not kink shaming. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you're when you're at war, you know, you see a lot of things. You know, you get awfully close in those foxholes. You know, um, 
Unlike you those know? Air Force guys. No. No, those Air Force guys, no, they probably go to a separate room to jack off. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're gay. <laughs> no, real men let the Terps watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's another thing that got left on uh, the the uh, the the cutting room on the uh, focus group floor after the pilot. Those are the two things that were themes in the pilot that were cut. One was Al making fun of U.S. imperialism, and the other one is the Air Force is gay. Those are the two things that the test audiences did not appreciate. All right. Uh, does anyone have anything else to say about Al right now? Because it's already we've already been recording for nearly an hour. I do think we had a good lead in there with the the concept of who is watching this show other than podcasters with <laughs> negative <laughs> oh, commentary. Uh, it's a good lead in for it's a good lead in for Darman. So so Hassan Piker has recently picked up on Darman, and I I think that kind of that made me think about this whole paradigm of like. Maybe there are just massive audiences of, like, ironic viewers out there. Like, I, I know Redacted from CT told me that she would get together with a bunch of therapists and watch um, The Bachelor. Like, that's not the critical mass of people, you know? Uh, I think like, for particularly Darman when you're talking be. about, like... Darman for Darman, and, might like be, his eight billion views or whatever, like his billions of views, those are not people watching it ironically. I assure you, uh, the number of people watching it ironically is gonna go way up now that he's starting to get noticed by people like Hassan Piker, and now that we're talking about him, and like uh, our ten of listeners are going to uh, hear about him. His whole thing we need to remember is that this grift is working. You know, he's got the formula he's looking for right down for what he wants to do. Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't care that we find it ridiculous because it's working just fine. Um, and I do think part of it is is, a, is slightly tongue-in-cheek. But uh, I think, like, he's he's he's... He's kind of talking to a similar crowd you don't as think, the United States of Al. You don't think... You don't, sure, it, right. But you, you don't think that our finding it ridiculous is like an integral part of the success? That no. And United States of Al. I think this is a good... No. I think this is real shit here because, because I think like... It's just the model that everybody is always questioning if it's if it's at play here. Like so I feel like this troll is getting more traction than he's supposed to by trolling, right? Uh, it's Milo Yiannopoulos. It's Donald Trump. It's it's people who are capitalizing off of too much press because of yeah, but lots of bad. Darman is trying to go viral. Like he's he's capitalizing on something else entirely. He's capitalizing on clickbait. You know, and clickbait is tongue in cheek in a sense because you know you're you're making clickbait and stuff, but like he's he's like trying to 
do, if you want to call it that, genuine clickbait. He's giving you something that he wants certain people to click on, and then when you click on it, he's giving you some sort of sense that, like, what you clicked on is something that you're seeing. And uh, if that's what you were looking for, it may, like, be positive reinforcement, you may want to subscribe or something like that. But, like, the notion that, like, I just don't, like, it's absurd, but I just, I believe in his views, and I and I just cannot imagine that you can get that amount of people watching you for ironic reasons and only have, like, one or two people making fun of you or referencing you, and like, you know, like Hassan Piker or, like, Moist Critical and stuff like that, like... And other than them, there's only, like, two or three other ones on YouTube that I've seen, and those are all in the last, like, year or so. Uh, you know, like, I have a feeling that you're going to see a lot more of it now, that, like, Hassan's talked about it and stuff, and now you'll see him lean into it more uh, as, like, uh, as like being in on the joke more and stuff like that. Uh, well, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the Tommy Wiseau move after the room came out and was like, you know, excoriated and, and, and roundly mocked. He was just like, you know, (laughs) no, it's not a a straight faced attempt at a Tennessee Williams style, you know, uh, uh, drama, melodrama. Uh, actually it was a comedy the whole time. It's like no, it wasn't, man. That's why we thought it was funny. It was because it wasn't a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we should kind of touch, you know, if we're going to talk about this, like, and like, obviously, we're not going to do a full dive on it today. Uh, but we wanted to introduce another character here, bring it into the into the fore for the this is bad ex- extended podcast universe. We want to introduce you to Dar Man. Now, Dar Man is. Is a is a layered, multifaceted individual, and a lot of people are going to be big fans of Darman because he creates these absurd videos that are uh, motivational videos or videos with like a message, but they're so poorly acted. And they're awfully written, and the the premises are so contrived and horrible, and like the solution, the like the 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 way they come together are all awful. And form, and there's this formulaic thing where someone exp- does like exposition of why the antagonist should think differently, and it's always preceded by you see, and then they go into this thing, and then they go into the the exposition, and then at the end of it, it's always. And so you see, uh, it, it ends with that, and then uh, that kind of became a catchphrase of his, but we'll get into that later. Uh, so yeah, it's just awful things that would be hilarious on their face if you just watch them, because it's just so bad. Uh, and it has a lot of those elements that people watch awesomely bad stuff for, and it's it's fully deserving of that. Like, you can watch almost any given one of these, and revel at how just awful it is, and we'll get into that. But what makes it truly just magical art is the very easy-to-understand context that the person making these awful, simple, clickbaity motivational videos 
is a lifelong grifter, basically. Since he uh, has been, like, old enough, out of, like, high school, uh, even though he is from a well-to-do family, a very wealthy family, which we can get into, his, his parents basically have, like, a monopoly on, like, the taxi system in the city they grew up in, and, like, uh, they own a bunch of property and got into a bunch of trouble for it. Uh, <laughs> He's a grifter, and, like, if you look at his, even his current page, I hope that he didn't take it down, but even if you look at his current page, the very first video, it's just a straightforward mindset video, you know? It's just one of these mindset Ferrari guys that if you, like, you know, I, I, like, I assume that people know who these guys are, but I also kind of assume that I see so many of them because of, like, the corners of the internet and the darmans of the world that I'm constantly watching, but it's these guys that you'll see in, like, YouTube ads. What was the name where... of the guy you couldn't escape a couple, like, a year or so ago who was in, literally talking about his Ferrari and his garage? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it, but all of the things that they preach, if you look into them, both all of those Ferrari guys and Darman are this sort of mindset stuff. That, like, you have to think like a mil- millionaire. But then there's also the techniques I have. And, like, you've got to study by techniques. But, like, the techniques are actually very few and far between. It's classic multi-level marketing stuff where it's all just a pitch. It's all just a pitch. And there's some sort of product there. But it's all really just the pitch that they're hoping you'll buy. And if you see his thing, his video is like this absurd video about how he afforded a Ferrari but turned it down. And it's just from this, like, obviously it's not his office. Like, obviously none of these cars in any of these videos are their cars. But it's just a grift. And then he he, he went on to, like, other actual grifts. Like, he, uh, he became, like, a, a, a weed distributor guy in California and like a dispensary guy and ended up like committing fraud with like the dispensary. He got a like bunch of like state money for the dispensary and just like to do like supposedly like some sort of like particular like mandated uh, repairs or something and ended up just keeping the money and like not doing any any of the repairs or anything. And so he ended up getting like five years probation for that. He's, you know, look him up on Google. Like you'll find his content more than anything because he's he's gotten good at that. But like there's no shortage of obvious things about uh, the fact that he's a grifter and now he has this other scam he's into, like, the makeup scams that so many people are into online. It's a big grift. They get the young people with those. Uh, It's a trillion-dollar industry. And so he's got Live Glam, which is his scam that he runs with his current wife. Uh, He was engaged to one of the stars of Shaws of Sunset. He was a secondary, tertiary Shaw of Sunset. Uh, But his parents have been in trouble. So he's, like, a complete grifter. And when you think of this these videos in that context of oh actually not only this guy is not Tommy Wiseau Tommy Wiseau fucking meant it 
You know, like <laughs> Tommy Wiseau wasn't just trying to make money. <laughs> he actually meant what the product that he was making, and he was earnestly making this bad product. Darman is earnestly making a bad product, but he doesn't give a crap about these people or the things he's talking about. And and it's wonderful when that element of it shines through every now and then too. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So I, I watched, you know, I've seen, I've seen a, a number of, of Dar's videos uh, in the past, and uh, I exposed myself to a number of, of, of them over the past couple days preparing <laughs> for this episode. Um, and I've got to say, um, every Darman video is just like, it's like a block of thermite like burning its way through my brain when I watch it. Like when the video's done, when the video's done, it keeps burning a hole straight through my brain, like severing neural connections and forging new ones running in diametrically opposed directions. They, these things should be a controlled, scheduled substance. Uh, there's there, one, one of them I, I'm, I think buried in one of them is probably my MK Ultra trigger and if I watch enough <laughs> I'm gonna go panic and it's gonna be Dar's fault um, yeah it's you someone know, is gonna say so you see so I've and got, it's like <laughs> I see I mean I am ready to receive so <laughs> like if you're not familiar with, with Dar I've got up here his YouTube channel uh we can just read some of the titles of his, his recent videos. <laughs> uh, so, so it'll give you an idea for the kind of content he's, he's producing. We've got, um, uh, boyfriends cheat on girls, instantly regret it. Fathers abandon families, live to regret it. Angry chef threaten people. What happens next will shock you. Kids with disabilities <laughs> get shamed, instantly regret it. Which seems to imply the kids regret getting shamed for their disabilities. Sure, Dar. But yeah, it's these people learning, you know, very trite lessons. I watched one uh, that I really enjoyed where a guy's at an art gallery, like, uh, bidding on a painting. And there's another mm -hmm. guy in the art gallery. And the, the first guy, he's wearing a suit and he's very fancy. Yeah. And the other guy is just wearing sneakers and a, and a t-shirt. And he, he dresses him down because he's like, you know, I went to... I went to Stanford, I got a PhD, and I work at a venture capital firm. Why you, you've got nothing but a t-shirt on. You must be a janitor, if you even have yeah. a job. And the, the twist of the video is it turns out the guy wearing a t-shirt is actually the CEO of the company this guy works at, which he somehow didn't, didn't realize. Yeah, but it's undercover great. boss. It, yeah, exactly. Accidental that's, that's undercover boss. It's people learning lessons about being, you know, you shouldn't like don't talk down to a guy, don't, don't you know, don't talk down to a janitor because that janitor might be an undercover boss. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Not, <laughs> so not, not treat people with respect. It's like you know what? Treat everybody like they're the CEO because maybe they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all. He does do that trope yeah, repeatedly exactly. where like uh, he, uh, you know, d does the thing where it's like the rich person and the poor person and there are two employees and one refuses to believe 
that the poor that the poor looking person could possibly afford the expensive item that they've built up and only talks to the rich person but the rich person ends up being a liar and the poor looking person ends up being the rich person and uh that like literally they have done that storyline five or six times they've done it with like an expensive drink don julio 1942 100 dollars a shot but judging by your appearance you can afford it. They've done it with a car. That's a $350,000 car, sir. It's really expensive. I don't know if you can afford it. They've done it with shoes. Why would you let her try those on? She obviously can't afford it. Well, appearances can be misleading. You shouldn't be so quick to judge. And almost every time, it's the kid with the blonde hair that is the bad guy. Um, yeah. The, the thing I want to touch on is that thing you are talking about with uh, the fact that it's a, it's it's kind of like Al. In Al, they bring things up and they just kind of never talk about them again. Like, and it's kind of okay because they're only like two and a half minute scenes or like 88 second scenes. And it's like okay to just end them and go to commercial or someone makes a stupid, dumb Mr. Fart joke and you have a laugh track and move on and go to commercial. But Dar actually tries to write in some sort of addressing of each issue in some sort of way. Some sort of so you see exposition or something. And almost all of them are basically don't be mean to the janitor because, like, one day the janitor might be your boss and then they'll fire you or something, you know? Uh, yeah, not not treat people with respect just because they're human yeah, beings. Yeah, yeah. No, he it's absolutely almost, subscribes I think to the view that CEOs are better than you, but who could I, be a CEO. I would like to hear Dar explain what he thinks a CEO is in his own words. Yeah, yeah. Someone who has succeeded. That's what like, the C in oh. CEO is for. Uh, but I did see one where someone actually, uh, like, divorced someone or fired someone because they saw someone talk down to a janitor. Uh, and uh, that was, like, the one time that I can recall that, like, the, the, the like part of the lesson was actually, like, don't be a bad person. Like, someone <laughs> will see that and be like, don't do that, you know? <laughs> but usually, it has to have some sort of twist where it was an undercover boss or that person rises up to the top one day. Like, there was one of my favorites was a guy was applying he was to to work at Darman Studios and this is really funny before now they can afford they have a small lot that they that they have a studio but before he would i think make the majority of his videos just like in the parking lot of his apartment building or something because half of them take place literally in the parking lot and then a lot of other ones like the car dealership is the parking lot all sorts of people meet in the parking lot and uh, it was funny, one of them it was this guy applying to work at Darman Studios, and they were just, like, in the parking lot, and he's like, points to the elevator, and he's like, oh yeah, I was just uh, applying in Darman Studios. It's like, fool, you're standing in Darman Studios! <laughs> oh, I love it! I absolutely love it. But, yeah, uh, he, he attempts these resolutions, and they just fall so flat and then he does so many that are so meaningless like he he has so many that are about like influencers and youtubers being fake and stuff like that you know and it's not like it's like a kid is like looking up to some influencer and like then it turns out that the influencer is like fake or something 
Uh, but the kid never learns the lesson that, like, they should be fulfilled outside of what the influencer says. It's just like taking down the influencer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see, I kind of see him, like, Darman, as this, like, very pure distillation of the kind of, like, like, nouveau riche, like, tech, uh, like, tech-adjacent uh, like megalomania that kind of manifests as like this like sort of like noblesse oblige where like it's not enough to just be like oh like i i run a company i make money and have power and stuff it has to be like no 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 and this is like you know what every silicon valley sicko thinks like no by running my company and being an entrepreneur i'm actually saving the world i'm making the <laughs> world a better place uh you know like the um like, he reminds me of, like, the, the WeWork guy. Like, you know, the, the company WeWork that were just, like, leasing office space. But the guy who, who ran this company that just leased or, or rented office space was convinced that he could, like, uh, negotiate, like, a Middle East peace agreement. Like, because, <laughs> because he ran a company and he was an entrepreneur. And that's kind of like what Dar is, because he described himself as an entrepreneur, but, like, he doesn't actually do any entrepreneurship. He just makes videos and, like, I guess interprets his uh, his viewership numbers as th- the same as, like, a, 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 a good bottom line for his company. I'm sure he does make money off of it. Well, but yeah, I'm going to say. He to produce anything. Let's, you know? like, let's be real. Like... It's working. Like, well, I mean, every one of his videos gets millions of views. He is making money. Well, see, like, he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't try to, like, you know, sort of do anything in, like, the real world, like, in the material world, like a WeWork guy. And that obviously failed catastrophically because mm-hmm. he was this guy who'd convinced himself that he was a, a great entrepreneur and could change the world. Uh, or, like, the uh, like the Fire Festival guys, I think, probably vibe a lot like Darman. And, you know, when they try to do something in the actual material world, uh, the kind of competency gap catches up with themselves and they just fail in utterly spectacular ways. But all Dar does is he he builds this, like, bizarre, like, he just, he, like, sort of kite surfs on the algorithm, basically. And just, like, figures out what is going to get people to click on things. And just builds this increasingly, like, elaborate, like, reality around it on his YouTube channel (laughs) that just allows him to, like, preserve this image of himself as a successful businessman. (laughs) As as a successful businessman who is, through his videos about uh, kids making fun of a poor kid because he's not wearing a Minecraft t-shirt. He's making the world a better place, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching Hassan react to uh, to Dar, and I noticed somebody in the chat calling it uh, capitalist Aesop fables. I thought that was <laughs> clever. And it gave me this, it gave me this idea of, like, we should... We should come up with more like short <laughs> ways to describe what Darman videos are like. <laughs> to, to me, they have like a vibe of like driver retraining videos, but like for your ethics. It's like yeah. Uh, but again, with like when you remember that it's all from the place of this is his grift. 
like it changes the nature of it <laughs> so man, much. The, the series, uh, the series is on IMDb, and it has, I think, a seven point eight. Like it's oh, Darmans. Yeah, Darmans. Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> What's cast, it called? Just Darman. Yeah, it's just called Darman. Nice. Yeah, the cast okay. includes over six hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> that videos. is shocking to me because if you watch these videos yeah. it Same seems video. like it's more like six people <laughs> yeah. just as an example I'll give the audience a video like go on YouTube and look up Darman Gay D-H-A-R-M-A-N-N G-A-Y <laughs> and you'll see a, a, a recent one that's a real gem coach kicks gay athlete off the team the coach just cannot Stand this gay kid, like this notion of him being gay. He's like, he literally tells the other coach, he's like, or tells the kid, it's like, look, man, you're never gonna make it in sports because you're gay. And like another coach is like, oh, he's pretty good, yeah, but uh, you know, he's he's, he's not gonna make it. He, he's gay, you know, like. Uh, but it's also hilarious because there's like some sort of weird dynamic with the other coach. Where, like, they're rivals, but they're also at the same school or something. It's like, it makes no sense at all. But, yeah, the one I actually want you to watch is the next one that comes up. Uh, which is the one where the dad kicks out his own son for wearing makeup. And don't get this confused, because if you keep scrolling down, or if your algorithm pumps it out differently, you may get a different one, because there's another video he did... Which is a dad kicking out a son for wearing makeup. And it is the exact same plot almost. And I recommend you watch that one too. But the this one is really great because the key difference between this one and the other one is that in this one, the makeup has a name. And that name is Live Glam. And Live Glam is his other oh, grip. So it's like the same awful awful hand ham-fisted storyline of like my son will never wear makeup you should play football literally <laughs> he's like my son shouldn't wear makeup and stuffs a football in his hands and then like only forgives him when he becomes like a successful makeup youtuber uh <laughs> in both videos that's how it goes like he, he disowns his son for not for being gay or trans or anything but for wearing makeup and then accepts them back when the son becomes successful and i feel like that's a really good one to understand not only darman and get a little taste of how bad he is but to fully understand that like oh this is all a grift you know <laughs> like let's not forget at the end that this is all a grift and it makes it so much worse you know? <laughs> so those sort of storylines like right there with like the what was it a cross-dressing child and the the father was not accepting of it like that sort of stuff like that really pisses me off about darman just like the lent the when it when it's clear this lens of like you can look at a lot of these videos as like a terrible like tokenizing attempt at like an explanation like very like less than surface level explanation of like leftist social positions like yeah <laughs> um and I imagine, and and that I think was was why I connected, or well, one of us connected this to to United States of Al in the first place was how it, it's very like I can see this being targeted at like a, a portion of the population that's looking for like 
you know, that middle ground, but like here let's go right with the with the logic behind how we should interpret these situations is like, you know, I want to have tolerance for people who cross stress or whatever, but I'm not going to go so far as to say like it's not a an issue. It's just like we're gonna we're gonna frame this like it's okay to be put off by that, but as long as you know, I can just, we can all get along with our differences and... And, you know, I can make money on my YouTube channel as a... It's like, or, like, don't worry, your kid can uh, make money on his YouTube channel doing I it. just, I, I feel like um, it's a, a very intentional effort to hit, like, a very... A position everybody hates, like a very centrist take on life uh, that gets people to say, I really... I don't like this and other people to be like why don't you like that that's this is fine yeah and nobody's really enjoying it that much but there there's controversy there somehow it's formulaic i I know it yeah like it kind of reminds me or i guess this reminded me of the man video did you guys see the woke cia commercial that came out a couple days ago yeah where it's like the you know it's like like a cia analyst like walking into into langley and She's like, and she's like, shirt, I am like a, a person of color. Fist. She's like, I'm a, I'm a woman of color. I'm a, I'm an intersectional feminist. I work at the CIA. And yes, sometimes I get imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I get imposter syndrome here at the CIA, and it just pissed everybody off because like the 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 range of negative reactions was like astonishing. There were people like you know, uh, I guess on the right who were like, oh no, this the, the religion of wokeness has infected mm. our great and beautiful CIA. And then, you know, the kind of left critique is like, oh, well, they've taken the language of this kind of emancipatory language and this language of, you know, social justice and used to paper over this organization that's just absolutely despicable. And, yeah, I think it it does a really good job of kind of exposing, like, the way, like, wokeness like that broadly construed is kind of just like a it's just like a part of the vernacular and you can kind of use it as a as a vessel for any kind of message you want you know and you can do like a like a uh you know a darman style video that yeah sort of has a surface level appeal to kind of social justice themes but is undergirded by like yeah very uh very conservative uh you know often in darman's case very kind of capitalist you know, core core messaging. Mores, yeah. Mores, yes. I think creatively, I really like the trajectory he's on. Uh, I'd like to see him continue. I think I I'd really enjoy like a like a Dar Man produced cable drama. You know, like hour long like HBO drama. I think something to really let him stretch his legs. You know, like I would like to see like something with like the novelistic scope and ambition of the wire but imbued with his very particular aesthetic sensibilities <laughs> and, and, and scaffolded by his really twisted ideas of morality and and human nature and behavior i, I think i think that would be i think it would start with like a character who has like 10 bad characteristics and he demonstrates each of them in the first episode but then and there's t- 10 episodes and each one he, he demonstrates that he has changed on one of those issues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dar- 
you would watch these you would watch Starman videos and think they're intended for like reality TV show contestants to be like strapped in a chair and shown like clockwork orange in order to be <laughs> become better people. It's like the framing of the, the average person is like the worst versions of people. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess there is some some, you know, commonality with the United States of Al in the sense that it hand waves at these kind of social issues, but then, you know, contextualizes them just as personal problems, you know, paying no attention to the kind of social forces that drive things like racism or sexism or, you know, homophobia or poverty or whatever. It's like, but it's no, very careful. Just need to... It's never very careful to never narrate that, right? It's always just like, it's there always, but it's never... Yeah quite stated yeah <laughs> darman